world. It's your past first point guard and Blazers reporter Mike Richmond. You listen to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. In today's episode, I want to talk about the excellence of the Blazers' starting lineup. It looks like the Blazers are going to run back the, the same starting five they ended the year with. Much touted by the Blazers' front office, but also just I want to explore the numbers behind that excellence because it's true that they're really good. And while we're exploring the numbers behind the excellence, we'll kind of find the flaws and how the rest of the roster will need to complement a really, really good starting group. It's going to be the key to the whole season. Five that fit. What about the rest? But first, I want to start with a little bit of news. I want to talk about Greg Brown the third, Gregory Brown the third, who just continues to be the most fun thing to happen to the Blazers all summer long. And a little bit of news about Kevin Calabro joining the rejoining the Blazers broadcast. That's what we'll do up front here. In case you missed it. In the Blazers' final summer league game, rookie second round pick, Greg Brown. Threw down a one-step East Bay dunk. If you don't know what an East Bay dunk is, you got to Google my man J.R. Ryder first. Uh, that'll give you that'll give you a little basketball history. But off of one step, Greg Brown went between his legs and threw down a between-the-legs right-handed punch. The East Bay funk. Here's what that sounded like on the broadcast. Maybe Dane will send you some shoes after that I mean, glorious plug of the album. Oh, no, he did it! Oh, no, he didn't, Greg Brown! Greg Brown! Woo! Look, it was just a ton of fun. <laughs> caught, the, caught the announcers off guard. That's how fun it was. Uh, Blazers caught the ball in transition. CJ will be hit it ahead to Brown. And again, one step left hand between his legs to his right hand and throw it down the East Bay Funk. Uh, Greg Brown was not born in during the 1994 uh, NBA dunk contest, but still paying homage to J.R. Ryder with the with the East Bay Funk. Uh, there's there's not a lot more. Like I already did my my summer league takeaways, and Greg Brown throwing down um, a really fun dunk isn't going to sort of change any of my takeaways. Uh, it, this is he's been the most fun thing of the Blazers summer by far. Uh, his he just he's you know he has some. He has some. He looks like a guy who's still kind of figuring it out on the court for sure, and I don't expect him to be a contributor this year. But there are these moments, and that dunk was a moment where you're like, "Oh, this guy's gonna be fun! Like I'm gonna enjoy rooting for this guy." And that was another one. Uh, he's he just has these flashes where he's he's the most athletic person on the court, and you, and and by a lot. And this was one of them. So uh, if you miss that dunk, just Google Greg Brown dunk. You'll find it was it took over the Internet for a little while. Um, he, going viral in Summer League with an in-game between the legs dunk is um, it just continues a summer of fun for Greg Brown. So salute to the Rook uh, for bringing us just a, 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 a an all-time Blazers summer highlight. Should Greg Brown get a chance to give us a regular season highlight, there will be a new and familiar voice, a, a returning voice to the booth to call that highlight. Kevin Calabro officially announced coming back to the Blazers uh, broadcast booth. Uh, he he will join Lamar Hurd and Brooke Dam on the Blazers call for all 82 regular season games and at least the first round of the playoffs. You, you don't get uh, you don't get the uh, local call after the second round. So um, even if the Blazers make a big run, you'll get you're getting 82 games plus the first round of the playoffs. 
I kind of shared my thoughts on the return of Calabro uh, before, before like when it was first announced, uh, first reported by Joe Freeman of the Oregonian, and nothing's changed. Uh, Casey's a le- legendary voice, a legendary voice. Uh, you'll be happy to have a, a pr- absolute pros pro back in the booth. Calabro's called you know thousands of NBA games over the over the years for voice of the Sonics and and also a longtime commentator on TNT uh, was was on the call for Dame's 0.9 second shot back in 2014 as a member of the the national broadcast. Uh, he's just dude's got a golden voice. Um, he sounds like NBA basketball to me. Uh, if I had a criticism of Calabro, it's that he one time declined to be on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, I asked him to be on it and he declined. So if, um, if, if you're, if you're looking for a reason to, uh, to be mad at Kevin Calabro for, for returning, it's that he returned without coming on Locked on Blazers. Hopefully, uh, we'll remedy that now that he's, uh, he's back in the booth with the, with the Portland Trail Blazers. But I'm happy to have KC back. He's, um, and like I said, he's a legend. Dude's just got a, dude's got a great voice, um, he 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 is the sound of NBA hoops for for me in many many ways. Um, so that's that that's what you can expect on uh, Blazers game days going forward is uh, maybe some garbage time wild highlights from Greg Brown, uh, voiced by Kevin and Lamar back at it after uh, uh, Calabro left for the for during the NBA bubble and then and then was not on the the call last season. But he's back. He's back. So welcome back, KC. Uh, broadcast is going to be a ton of fun with you on it. Uh, <laughs> and if you want to take me up on my Lockdown Blazers offer, you know where to find me. All right. In the second segment, I want to talk about the Blazers starting five. Uh, it's eventually, whenever Neil Olshay speaks to the, to the media, he is going to talk about how damn good the starting lineup was last year. And here's the thing about Neil. He'll be telling the truth when he says that. They were fantastic. One of the best uh, five-man lineups in the league. But I want to spend the last couple segments of this episode, the last, last 20 minutes of the show, uh, kind of looking into to how good, where they're good, where they're struggle. And if you're, if you're looking to build the rest of the roster, it's, the, the Blazers roster isn't totally complete, but if you're looking to sort of build out the rest of, of the roster, where do the other, where, what other skills does this starting five need or what other complementary parts would, would sort of help this, this admittedly elite group. So that's what we'll do to close out the show in the final two segments. But first, let's talk about sweat block. If you are someone who perspires more than you would like, you have probably tried many solutions to slow that down, to keep your shirt dry, to be able to wear the clothes you want to wear, to, you know, wear a wear a, a dress shirt without the worry of sweating through it. Well, Sweat block wipes might be the solution that you've been looking for. They work up to seven days per use. That means you're going to bed, you take a sweat block wipe, you wipe it on your body, particularly in spots where you're going to, where you're going to perspire, and then you just go about your routine. Next morning, wake up, take a shower, and, and continue on without worry. How little worry? Well, they give you the dry shirt guarantee. If sweat block doesn't keep you dry, you get your money back. That's it. If it doesn't work for you, they'll give you your money back. It doesn't get much better than that. This has been a best-selling product on Amazon over the last decade. There's over 13,000 reviews on the website in case you're curious what many, 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 many other thousands of customers have thought about the product. If you are trying to get your hands on these, you go to sweatblock.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll get 20% off your order with that promo code. 
Today's show is also brought to you by Theragun, the handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power. Plus, it's as quiet as an electric toothbrush. So if you are trying to make it through the day tension-free, Theragun is for you. The Gen 4 Theragun doesn't just feel good. It gets to the source of pain by releasing tension using Theragun's signature percussive therapy, which goes 60% deeper than vibration alone. Whether you want to treat your muscle tension from working out or an injury or just the stresses of everyday life, there's no substitute for the Theragun Gen 4. That OLED screen and design make you feel like you're holding something from the future. Just go to their site and check it out. You'll see that futuristic thing. Plus, the Theragun app learns from your behaviors and suggests guided routines. Theragun is trusted by 250 professional sport teams like Real Madrid and athletes like DeAndre Hopkins, Maria Sharapova, and Paul George. Plus, hundreds of thousands of customers. So, Try Theragun for 30 days, starting at only $199. Go to therabody.com slash locked on right now and get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash locked on, therabody.com slash locked on. All right. So we talked a little bit about Blazers news. Greg Brown continues to be the most fun thing of, of Blazers summer, throwing down huge dunks. He, he didn't just have one giant dunk in that summer league game. He had, had a couple other highlights, including a fun tip dunk to seal the game. Dude is just, he's just a freak athlete who, who, who has this effortless in-game athleticism in the way that maybe some other like great leapers can't translate to the game. The dude, the dude brings it, and when you watch him, he delivers highlights. We also talked about the man who's going to be calling the highlights for the Blazers next year, Kevin Calabro, returning to the Blazers booth after a year-and-a-half hiatus. Welcome back, KC. Now what I want to talk about is the Blazers' starting lineup. No doubt, no doubt, if you follow this team closely, if you listen to this podcast, or if you just listen to Neil Olshay talk every so often, he is going to tell you or has already told you via via the quotes in the athletic that the Blazers have an elite elite starting starting lineup and and they do like um this podcast is plenty critical of Neil Olshay but this thing ain't no lie this is true the starting group of Damian Lowe, CJ McCollum, Norman Powell, Robert Covington, and Yusuf Nurkic the team that closed the end of last season and will open up this season almost certainly as the Blazers starting five well they'll start as long as everyone is on the roster those five are going to start there's no doubt about that one of the elite groupings in the league. In case you don't believe me or that doesn't feel right, let me hit you with the numbers. According to cleanglass.com, the invaluable website brought to you by Ben Falk, former employee of the Philadelphia 76ers and the uh, Portland Trailblazers turned uh, is public stats guru. Uh, if you're not a subscriber to Clean and Glass and you're into basketball stats, you should consider subscribing because it is, like I said, in, an invaluable resource for understanding the game closer. But according to Clean and Glass, the, the, two, the lineups with the highest net rating in the league, that is the difference in points scored per 100 possessions versus points allowed per 100 possessions, are the, were the Philadelphia 76ers with their preferred starting lineup of Seth Curry, Danny Green, Tobias Harris, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid at 15, plus 15.9, and your Portland Trail Blazers. Dame, CJ, Norm, Rocco, and Nurk at plus 14.2. Uh, other teams to kind of like, does this does this track, like elite starting groups. Utah's starting group with uh, Conley, Mitchell, Royce O'Neal, Bogdan Bogdanovich, and 
uh, Rudy Gobert and the Milwaukee Bucks lineup of Holiday, just uh, Justin, Drew Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, Chris Middleton, Giannis Antetokounmpo, and Brooke Lopez. Uh, Utah plus 11.1, Milwaukee 10.7. I filtered this when I'm looking at this just by teams that played at least 700 possessions together. So like heavily used lineups. What were the most, the best, most heavily used lineups in the league? If you knock this down to 500, an equally arbitrary number of possessions, but maybe no, one with a little bit rounder number, you get the familiar elite teams in the league. Uh, the top lineup by this uh, by this measurement at just 500 possessions together is Pat Bev, Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, Nick Batum, and Serge Ibaka with the Clippers. Uh, two is that Philly lineup. Three is the Blazers lineup. Uh, six down here is the Lakers. Dennis Schroeder, Contavious Caldwell-Pope, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Marcus Gasol. Seven is, is the Mavericks. Their starting lineup of Luka Doncic, Josh Richardson, Dwayne Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleba, and Kristaps Porzingis. What I'm really trying to illustrate here is that the teams that were like really good, like the, the, the high-level playoff teams, have, have a go-to lineup, right? And the Blazers are among these teams. You know, with the Clippers and the Lakers, if they had been healthy, and with Utah, who was just really, really, really good, and Philly, who had the, you know, the best record in the East, and... and not every team that had, uh, you know, that that fared well in the playoffs is up here, and, and Utah appears multiple times because they did it with depth. Uh, even the Kings are up here a couple times because they they had some lineups that really worked. They just struggled a little bit on defense. But like of of the sort of elite teams that were dominant, you're seeing Utah, Milwaukee, Dallas, the the LA teams, Portland, Utah, and the Philadelphia 76ers. For the most part, the Blazers kind of seem like the outlier here, but the argument argument is that they are not an outlier because they have because after the trade deadline and and once Dame got healthy they just had a really good group and it's undeniably true it's not just sort of cleaning the glass that that sees this as as like a really valuable group uh the good folks at b-ball index uh it's another subscription-based uh, stat site that i have have access to thanks to the good people at locked on uh podcast network i appreciate you all um they have a lineup uh, creator tool where you can put, you know, five-man combinations in there to kind of see where these the the sort of complementary abilities of players and and the complementary abilities are spacing, getting to the rim, finishing at the rim, and playmaking. So that'd be the ability to you know create space by by shooting and also having sort of the gravity to pull guys toward you because you're a threat of a shooter. Getting to the rim that's that's that creativity to get yourself all the way to the rack. Finishing at the rim. What do you do when you get there? And then playmaking. How well do you sort of how well does does your what you do create for others and how well are you how well do you create for others not just not just your own with the um with the sort of getting to the rim and finishing at the rim two skills and the blazers are an elite team in a couple of these categories like tr- like really really good they're according to uh the numbers at b-ball index the blazers are in the 97.9th percentile as, as that starting lineup of dame cj norm Rocco, and yusuf nurkic 97.9 percentile in terms of spacing you just don't there just aren't many lineups that are going to provide that space this is why they were the number one offense in the league after norman powell joined the team because of that space it allows guys to operate they're also in the 89th percentile when it comes to getting to the rim damon lord 97th percentile norman powell 90th percentile nurk 87th percentile robert covington not good at it at all doesn't probably doesn't surprise you eight eight 
eighth percentile, like one of one of the really bad guys. But that's why not what Covington does. I mean, this is this is why you know it's t- it's not two K. You fit together in parts. CJ McCollum, an above average at getting to the rim. Where the Blazers aren't particularly good, and I think this is a, this is a, an issue that we'll explore more here in the, to close the show, is that they are a below-average team in terms of finishing at the rim. And all year long was obvious. They were, as as my friend uh, Eric Gunderson, Eric Garcia Gunderson, said when he on the show, on the show, they're a bad rim team, aren't they? And yes, yes, Eric, indeed they are. Uh, Damon Lord, 63rd percentile. CJ McCollum, 72nd percentile. Norm Powell, elite finishing at the rim, 97.7 percentile. Covington, bad at getting to the rim, bad at finishing when it gets there, 35th percentile. And Yusuf Nurkic, by some measurements, one of the worst finishers in the league, 3rd percentile, 2.9. Finishing at the rim is... uh, Adjusted by his, uh, like difficulty of shots when you get there, so sort of how open you are when you get there. Nurk smokes a lot of open looks. Uh, also, just by being big, he's going to sort of generate easier looks. Not a good finisher. Uh, Blazers, as as a team, that five men starting a group ranks in the forty six point nine percentile, forty seventh percentile. It's they're a below average team finishing at the rim. They 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 can create a lot of space. They can get downhill pretty well, particularly Norman Dame. Uh, and when they get there, they're just not great. But I think more than the finishing at the rim is is an issue, uh, and we'll talk about that more in the third segment. But I also think playmaking is a big issue for them, and some of it is just uh, that's it's a skill thing. Like with both of these, with the finishing at the rim and the playmaking, like there's only so much like coaching can change up, like getting quality looks and and encouraging guys to pass, and you can get cleaner looks because you're smarter about passing, and there's there's just more sharing of the ball. But it's also there's like a skill thing, and I think I think it there's more to it than just like the Blazers should pass the ball more. One, the Blazers should pass the ball more. Two, they're just they don't they don't have a bunch of dudes on their roster that are that are elite playmakers, and I think and I think this comes up often. Uh, Damon Lord, one of the elite playmakers in the league, 94.7%, 95th percentile, one of the really good playmakers in the league, breaks dudes down. Um, playmaking by this metric from B-Ball Index looks at playmaking volume, quality, versatility, efficiency, and scoring gravity. So Dame's just like ability to get to the rim and how much attention he draws makes him a better playmaker. CJ, by by those same measurements, 86th percentile. Uh, he's he's a scary scorer and that allows him to set people up. Also, CJ McCollum had his best passing year of his career last season. Like he he really took a step forward over the last season and a half as a playmaker. He got better at it and we saw that last year. Uh for his shortcomings, he did improve in in for sure in his like shot qual- his shot diet. He took more three-pointers and he passed the ball better. Uh didn't always feel like it, but for sure, he just you know, like look at the raw numbers and even these sort of more advanced measurements. CJ was had his best playmaking year of of his career. Norm Powell, not a playmaker. Um, Norm brings a lot of skills. That getting to the rim and finishing at the rim is where he helps. Playmaking, he doesn't. 33rd percentile. Robert Covington, 11th percentile in playmaking. 10.9. He's just... Covington is a spacer. Uh... He's a spacer on offense. He doesn't do much else. Uh, and he shot a career high from three last year, and the Blazers are going to need him to do that again and maybe even improve on that career number. Like, the spacing is going to be where he provides value because he doesn't get to the rim off the dribble very often. He's not a particularly good finisher when he gets there, and he doesn't create well for others. Rocco is a complementary part. As a as a as only a spacer, you see how how these parts fit together. The other guys are going to get downhill and do stuff, and and Rocco is going to provide the space by his shooting ability to allow them to do that. Um, this is kind of uh, I think this is the pretty 
pretty illustrative of sort of how these complementary parts fit together. And Yusuf Nurkic, 81st percentile in playmaking. I think Nurk can get better there. Uh, I think this is a thing that like coaching could open up because if the if the movement off the ball and the spacing off the ball is a little bit smarter and guys are cutting harder, the Blazers are not a very good cutting team last year. And I think just with like being a better, even the last like four years, if you had if you could make use of cutters a little bit better, neither Dame or CJ are particularly good cutters. So that's, again, that's like a skill thing versus a coaching thing. But I think um, there are other players on the roster that Nurk's playmaking ability could improve if if the sort of style, like stylistically, they were better. So here's what you get when you get this Blazers elite starting lineup. They're one of the best teams in the league. One of the best five-man groups in the league with this group. They're really, really, really good. But they're not great finishing at the rim, and they're only they're only pretty good as a playmaking team, and it really relies so heavily on Damian Lowe's elite playmaking. If you sub pretty much anyone out in Dame's spot, like anyone on the roster in Dame's spot, you get you take a huge step back. And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment, is that the Blazers have this great group, but what else would they need in a perfect world to complement this group? That's what we'll do to close out the show is, is dig into what else they need. But first, let's talk about Bilt Bar, the best tasting protein bar that there is. My personal favorite flavor, peanut butter brownie, back, at least for a limited time. But if you're not into peanut butter brownie, there's got to be something for your taste because there's really something for everybody. Whatever your palate, coconut, cherry barcia, raspberry, mint, brownie, salted caramel, cookies and cream, whatever it is, you'll find it. Uh, if, if you are still curious about what your favorite flavor might be and you've never tried Built Bar, I recommend getting a mix box. You get two of each of the flavors, try them all, decide what you like, order more from there. Not only are these the best tasting protein bars that there is, but they've got, they, they got the goods. They're packing the macros you need. 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and no more than five grams of net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. Go get yourself some. Go to built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your order. That's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Today's show is also brought to you by Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. We got baseball season. We got the WNBA. We got soccer here and abroad. MLS, a MLS game happening right now. Uh, my beloved Timbers in action as I record this show. So whatever it is, you'll be able to place bets on. I can live bet on the Timbers game right now during this ad spot. That's how easy they make it for you at betonline.ag. So don't sit on the sidelines. Get in the game. Head on over to that website, betonline.ag. And when you're making your first deposit, use the promo code LOCKEDON and you will get a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. Still listening to Locked on Blazers. Talk about the Blazers news. Talk about the Blazers elite starting lineup. Um, I try to illuminate for you just how good they're going to be because this is the thing you're going to hear about. This is the thing they're going to talk about. Uh, but the the quest, I think, for this Blazers team is, is what else do they have? The depth. And clearly the roster isn't done. Like, I, I'm, we're going to go into this exercise and we're going to, I'm going to say, like, what do they need, right? But I want to be clear up front. Like, the roster's not finished. They only have 13 uh, contracts right now. They're going to add another player. They're probably going to add another big. Uh, but 
that might not answer all of their problems. Uh, they need to get a little bit better on defense. And you can you could surmise that maybe they've added parts to allow them to do that with Tony Snell and Cody Zeller, uh, with you know with a full a full season of Norm and DJ Jones or DJ Jones, Derek Jones Jr. You know with another coaching staff, maybe unlock a little bit more of what he does. The growth of Nazir Little, like they, there's a chance they're just like straight up like significantly better on defense. An elite defensive team, almost certainly not. Uh, it would be something. Uh, I guess if Nurk is healthy for 80 games, they could be a pretty damn good defensive team but but I think this group has limitations regardless but the the question is after that elite group sits down after that that elite group which is which is not just offensively which is a lot of what we're exploring today but they were a, a darn good defensive group too according to nba.com among the uh lineups that played at least 200 minutes together last season that blazer starting five of Dame CJ Rocco Norm and and Nurk were the ninth best defensive team. In fact, among those 30 most used lineups in the league, according to NBA.com, the Blazers were actually better comparatively on defense ninth than they were on offense 11th. Like, the, the trick of this lineup is the balance, right? And the question is, can the can this group maintain its balance with as you go down the bench? I think I can say with confidence, and I... Uh, even numbers back me up here, is that the, the Blazers' sort of two weak spots that they have with the starting group are finishing at the rim and playmaking. And there isn't anyone that they added this summer that is necessarily going to, uh, you know, take take them over the top in terms of... Uh, in terms of changing what, what this team is like as, as, as sort of playmaking and finishing. Uh, Nazir Little is, is sort of the obvious choice for the finishing at the rim thing. Uh, it's... It's him or Derek Jones. Like those are the those are the two guys that would offer the Blazers sort of that 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 downhill threat. But uh, according to Basketball Index, Derek Jones is in the uh, 14th percentile in getting to the rim and the 71st percentile at finishing once he gets there. He's he doesn't he doesn't have a lot of juice to get himself to the rim on his own. Uh, these are getting to the rim looks at self created shots at the rim per 75 possessions, uh, and Derek Jones just doesn't create his own looks at the rim. So he can fi- he can finish when he gets there this is it's you know it's difficulty adjusted shooting percentage at the rim is what what this sort of metric is trying to show us and 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 jones is 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 you know an above average to you know pretty decent finisher once he gets there but he doesn't get himself there on his own uh nazir little 45th percentile getting to the rim like he just the the question for Nas is can he that self-created ability get to the rim can he take a big step because if he does you know he's in the 81st percentile finishing when he gets there if he was an above average at sort of getting you know one of the sort of skills that he's always lacked as at to this point in his career is that that self-creation that little bit of wiggle in his game and it's like if if Nas develops that then he'll get there I'm less I'm pretty skeptical of Derek Jones developing that um if you're a long-time listener to this podcast, I'm not really a Derek Jones believer. You know, the other options on the bench, like, you're not, you're just not going to get that from Tony Snell. Like, it's, it, he's a spacer. Like, that's, that's what he's going to do. He's, he's, he's a spacer. And no matter who you plug into this metric, and we'll drop the numbers for a little bit, no one improves the Blazers' playmaking. And I think this is the real big issue. I think the solution to a lot of their woes are sharing the ball, being more egalitarian. And I think that's all well and good. I think that's a good-ass idea. Like, I'm, I'm all for it. But there's no one on this roster right now 
who provides a level of playmaking with both with their offensive gravity and their natural ability to find guys and distribute to take to change this team to be a like a good passing good playmaking team uh, when Dame's not on the court. Coaching and scheme can help. They can help. But there is a there is a skill set that that you need. There's just sort of a minimum level of skill, and I don't think the Blazers address that with anyone. Snell doesn't do it. Nas hasn't done it. Uh, any combination of Rocco and Derek Jones doesn't do it. Uh, you know, Nurk has to play a bunch to maybe be the facilitator with that second unit. Maybe you take him out early and bring him back and let him play with the second unit. Let Zeller play a bunch of minutes with the starters because, uh, you know, what he... You know, the difference in him and Nurk with the starting lineup might not be as much, but Nurk's playmaking ability might open up more with that second unit. Maybe that's sort of the creative way that Chauncey Billups and his staff can figure it out. But Anthony Simons isn't there, which which kind of leads me to, to back to the point that I started this, this segment with. The Blazers aren't done. They're still building this roster, and they're, they're pro- they need to sign a tall person. But... If you were sort of developing or, or like, you know, growing in a lab, this sort of ideal, what the ideal sort of tall person would be, they'd be a good rebounder. Blazers um, weren't weren't great at preventing teams from getting second chance shots last, second chance opportunities last year. Um, th- I, that might change a little bit depending on um, personnel wise. Like, I don't think. Um, Carmelo Anthony was not a particularly good defensive rebounder last year, and there's a chance that who you play in that backup four spot will be that, right? Uh, but what you're what you're looking for is a good rebounder and a good playmaker. That's what the Blazers are sort of missing from from the like what to do. And and that's why I think the sort of thing that has come up a lot with Blazer fans is they say like we still need that floor general, we still need that backup point guard. And I think that's true. To to, to like in the big big picture theory, like the Blazers still don't have like a t- another table setter, someone to like get guys in the spot they need to be. But the roster right now it would be malpractice to add another guard to this group. So you kind of have to build this big guy in a lab. They need to be a rebounder, and they need to be able to facilitate. This skill set is kind of why I was so excited about Paul Millsap. I think that dream is dead, and I don't think I don't think you're adding someone who's going to like drastically change it, but the Blazers have this elite starting group, and that elite starting group is missing a little bit of sort of downhill juice and a little bit of playmaking. But they're... they're gonna be fine it's just that after you get behind that you stop getting guys that answered answered like any of the weaknesses question right like uh nazir little's like what hasn't been quite a shooter but you think he can get there tony snell doesn't do much else but shoot uh while solid cody zeller just doesn't you know what what he does is he's like he's like okay at a bunch of things but he's not a he's not much of a floor spacer he's not much of a passer he's like a good screen setter pick and roll solid backup center they you know anthony simons for as for as good of a shooter as he is and he's truly an elite spot up shooter one of the best in the game he's he's he doesn't provide much else. He doesn't, he's, he's only so good at getting to the rim. Like he has the skills to get to the rim, but he doesn't have a lot of sort of juice to get there. And he's a terrible finisher in the paint. And he's not a good playmaker, a well below average playmaker. Like all the puzzle pieces in that first unit fit. And that's, what's going to make this Blazer teams competitive in the regular season. But the rest of the group, the, they, they they haven't seemed to address the rest of their weaknesses and with that final spot i don't they're not going to sign a 15th guy so with player number 14 will they find a guy who can pass who can defend 
and who can finish inside with like a level of competence that could allow you to maybe on those nights that Nurk can't make layups go in another direction? I don't know. It seems like what's true of this team is they have a a pretty well thought out, albeit somewhat undersized, starting five. And then the depth, which seems to be maybe one of their, you know, kind of a long-term weakness that they've they've had and they've, you know, dealt with in a variety of ways and, and, and failed to address over a long time. Like, they just still don't quite have it. That's not to say that I don't think Nazir Little and Anthony Simons can be good. We'll talk about them more later in the week. Like, I think they can take big, big steps forward. I just don't think the skill sets, the complementary skill sets you would need to be able to be better with that starting group or on the roster right now. I think the Blazers could be really good with that starting five. Really, really good. Like, if they're as good as they were last year, the Blazers can, you know, they'll they'll be right in the thick of, of that sort of middle of the pack in the West. But it's everything else. And when you're asking questions are, how do they do this? How do they do that? There isn't a, there isn't a, a firm answer on, like, how do they guard big wings? Where do they go for playmaking off the bench? Who else can score on their own if Damon CJ have to sit? Like, it's just, it's, they, they're missing a little bit. They're missing the, the sort of classic complementary depth at, at spots, you know, six, seven, and eight that you really want. But it's undeniable that this first group is elite. So I think the test for the Blazers is continuing to find those complementary skills, whether that is through free agency or the growth of their young players. And that's what we'll talk about uh, the, the final show this week. I want to talk about Avery Simons and Azir Little. Uh, that show will post in your feeds on Friday, so uh, be sure to look out for that one. But we'll talk about their growth. That's what everyone is 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 curious and excited about, is, is where those guys can grow. So we will go a deeper dive on those two gentlemen later this week and we will also share a blazers moment of joy so make sure you are checking back on friday's show also make sure you're telling your friends about this podcast they can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts just search lockdown blazers will be there waiting for you appreciate you listening talk to you soon